0: Hey, everyone. It's us, your friendly neighborhood
1: (laughs) podcasters. So once again, um, as you'll recall, we did this last week. We are prefacing the episode you're about to hear that we recorded many moons ago. Many moons. Um, With just a little quick check-in, we wanted to make sure you guys are doing everything you can for your physical health, but your mental Mental health health. as well, Mm -hmm, you guys. mm -hmm. Carrie and I just had an exhaustive conversation about it. Um... Because you know, maybe you're not going to see your therapist right now. Maybe you had to cut that out. Well, hopefully they Facetime. Thank God um, for
0: phone co- co- For
1: phone. Fo- <laughs> yeah, thank God. I haven't talked to Harry anyone. Carrie hasn't been speaking to people <laughs> for days. So. <laughs> so I
0: come to Quinn and I'm like, <sighs> but we wanted to sort of touch base with you all. I know anybody who's an hourly employee or a gig employee, of which Quinn and I both are, are certainly feeling. The effects of this virus. I just had a huge festival for a show cancel. Um, that would have been a huge part of my income for the year. Yeah. Um, and so that we say, afita sen.
1: <laughs> I'm an immersive event planner, so you can imagine <laughs> oh, uh, there are not a lot of events people want to plan right now. Yeah, it's <clears> someone <throat> had just posted.
0: It's so interesting. To live in a world where your job is obsolete as a live theatrical performer, because what Quinn and I do requires strangers to be in a space together and they cannot be six feet apart. I mean, they can if I sell very few tickets. And well,
1: Although spread We out. have this one thing we do that doesn't require it, which is this awesome podcast, yeah. Maybe You've Heard of It. Is it called truly Darkly? Creepy. Oh, I was a little late <laughs> on that one. I don't know my brain's So basically what we're asking is that If you have um, some extra money sitting around during this time, if your job was not put in jeopardy, the first thing you should do is help out the food banks, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, buy some gift cards that people can use. I also just read this totally bananas statistic that is that we left $44 billion on unused gift cards last year as a world that sounds Forever. right to me. I still have a it's gift card. It's $2 billion a year. And so we've done it since gift cards were around. It's like become $44 billion. The point of what I'm trying to say is I didn't know this, but I just found out that if you have a retail gift card or a food gift card, something your aunt got you this past Christmas, unload it at a food bank. You can give it to them and they'll help you distribute it.
0: Oh, that's so um, great.
1: That's something to look into um, is if you just have that and you're sitting on it, maybe somebody else needs it more than you do right now.
0: But also what you can do is you can go to your local restaurant and buy a gift certificate online that you can use when this quarantine and self-isolation is over. That's
1: so smart. Which is a great idea. And additionally, we would be remiss not to remind you that um, as Carrie and I have essentially lost all our jobs and are just (laughs) making this podcast currently Um, in times of Corona, love in the time of Corona. Love in the time of Corona. We um, ask that if you've got it, throw us um, your dollar a month, your $12 a year on our Patreon. And if you go to our website, www.trulydarklycreeply.com, there is a little button that says love. So if you love us and you click that, it'll lead you right to our Patreon page. And we would be uh, forever in your debt and truly, yet <laughs> we, we, we are <laughs> yeah and also we will be forever in debt regardless <laughs> and my hand washing suggestion is sweet caroline um Ooh. it's just for this week i'll come up with another one next week but i've been doing sweet caroline it's like i can't really hit most of the notes it kind of makes me laugh it's kind of got a long chorus so that you can just repeat so go for it
0: that's a really good one. I've been doing happy birthday still. No. Like an old standby.
1: No, 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 no. If you want to stay depressed, keep singing happy birthday.
0: <laughs> but what you don't know is I practice it in different languages.
1: Okay. All mm-hmm.
0: right. It becomes Rosetta Stone of hand washing.
1: Stay healthy, not just physically. Stay healthy mentally. And do your best. Just do keep best. getting up every day and keep doing your best. And get a breath of fresh air for sure. Yeah. Um. You need it. Trust you me. You
0: need it. Open the fucking window and stick your head out, you know? I mean,
1: don't I... lean too far.
0: And if you want something positive, please look up. There was this video I saw. Mm. It was this man who brought a little cake and a candle outside of this woman's house. He knocked and walked away and filmed her, and she walked out, and it was her birthday. And he said, Look out the window. And the whole courtyard sang happy birthday to her through their window. Oh.
1: Carry tears, all while washing their hands, all while washing. Their so th- they sang it twice. <laughs> sang it twice. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> you guys enjoy the episode. Enjoy this. I've got episode. a feeling it's going to be a real doozy. <laughs>
0: they usually are. They
1: usually are. <laughs> all right, enjoy the app I'm
0: going to workout classes, Quinn. I'm going for it. My body is sore. It feels
1: great. I went to the gym today, and it was the craziest. Most obvious phoning at an experience where I got on a machine, didn't break a sweat, was there 30 minutes and left. What did you do on the machine? It was like I needed an alibi, it was like the vibe of being there. <laughs> I, I walked slowly. Truly? Darling? So my weird sister story that I have to tell is that yesterday when I was uh, in a car going home, I was texting both with a friend who is about to turn 38 and is, does not have a partner and wants to have children. Mm-hmm. And we were texting about people that had kids late in life. She was texting me that Mila Jovovich had a baby at 40 and I was also texting with my sisters about um, how my dad doesn't understand technology. Anyway, both <laughs> texts go in at once. And I say to my friend, well, my mom got pregnant with my youngest sister, Maddie, at 40. And that was totally an accident. She was an accident. They weren't even trying. Didn't want another. Something like this. Wait, oh no. Sent it definitely to all my sisters. In the middle of a conversation, can you imagine we're all talking about something else and I text them? Does Maddie know
0: that? Yes. Oh, thank God! Like, what if she wrote back
1: and said this is the worst, and then she wrote actually it's the best, and I already knew that, but it was really funny.
0: Oh my God! I that
1: could have gone so poorly. It could have gone way worse. So thanking my lucky stars. Have uh, you ever? Ir. ir how do you say that? Irreparable?
0: Irreparably damaged, damaged my relationship with, with my sister.
1: Didn't do that.
0: You, I think that's happened to me once. Oh, it's so scary when that happens. I learned very quickly that if you send something and you look at the, it's the wrong name, you have to turn it on airplane mode right away and then it won't send.
1: No. Mm-hmm. Because All right, I'm gonna look into that. I,
0: that's something to put in your bag of tricks.
1: Um, but I'm gonna I've done put it. it in my bag.
0: The worst is when you're talking to someone and then talking about that conversation to someone oh. else.
1: Can't, can't. That can't even is talk my about cardio. It. It's making me anxious. That's as... my cardio. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in. Um, so I'm gonna go first you this go time. First. You went first last time. Yeah, it's only fair. It's this... only right. Story, I'm going to tell you what it is though, because I don't think you'll know it, sort of. Maybe Mm. you will. I'm going to tell the story of the Craigslist killer. (gasps) Do you know it?
0: What if I was like, I'm doing that exact story? You were supposed to text man. Definitely not, but I would love that. And look at you, you were supposed to text man.
1: Allthat'sinteresting.com, Wikipedia, ABC News, New York Times, CBS News, Vanity Fair, all the real heavy hitters help me to learn this story. (laughs)
0: Quinn Posner, heavy hitters,
1: ABC (laughs) News, Quinn Posner.
0: What if this is our foray into investigative journalism?
1: Isn't it, just
0: And it's just us doing book reports and things we found on Wikipedia. I like the
1: idea that it's investigative journalism when the cases are already solved. (laughs) Or they're just, like, for sure unsolved. All right, so (laughs) here we go. Buckle your seatbelt. Click. On April 10th, 2009... A man is searching through the erotic services section of Craigslist. He arranges to meet Trisha Leffler, who is a masseuse and escort from Las Vegas, and he calls the number she's listed, and he says he wants to spend time with her. She tells him that that is a rate of $200 for the hour, and he agrees. And they, from the time they have the call, they meet up 30 minutes later. At a Weston Hotel in Boston. You're raising your hand. Do you have a question I'm or I'm raising comment? my
0: hand because he, t- he messaged her saying he wants to spend time to just the way the euphemism he said. Yes. You, I want to spend time with you. That's 200 Maybe
1: they were only going to spend time. We but, don't know. Okay, no. I'm sorry. 30 minutes later, you said? It's a fast turnover where he calls her. They're meeting 30 minutes later at the Weston Hotel. Mm-hmm. He calls her to say he's there. She meets him in the elevator. Leffler usually met her clients somewhere public like an elevator so that she could check them out so that if they gave off bad vibes or something, she had a moment to walk. She could walk away. But he was young. He was cute. He was a blonde guy, tall. He seemed totally normal. Why is a blonde guy? Well, I like like that you're saying it's
0: normal, but I always feel like Mighty Ducks, too. They're usually the bad guys.
1: Oh, you're right.
0: And, like, Karate Kid, blondes, bad guys. Well,
1: she she does not think she he seems like you. a bad guy. Maybe she hadn't seen Mighty Ducks. She takes him to her room. He walks in. She walks in behind him. She shuts the door. And when she turns back around, he has a gun on her. <gasps> so she her heart starts racing. She's panicked right away. Obviously. Who would it be? He tells her, lie down on the ground. And she does. And when she does so, he does, he puts the gun away and he kneels with sort of like his knee in between her two legs and pulls her hands behind her back. And she tells him, I'll give you whatever you want. You don't have to tie me up. And he says, if you just be quiet, you know, no harm is going to come to you. He ties up her hands and then puts on black leather gloves and asks her where her money is. She tells him where her purse is, and he finds it, and he takes all the money out and starts going through the credit cards, and she tells them there's prepaid, they're prepaid credit cards. There's no money on them. He finds her debit card and asks her for the pin, and she's panicked. So if you're ever in this situation, I think you're supposed to give the wrong pin so that when people put in a wrong pin a certain number of times in a machine, I think it pings something.
0: Yeah, I'd be worried that I would have to go with I don't know.
1: I don't know either. Anyway, she does give him the correct pin. And Uh, he says that that's not right. There's going to be a problem later. And he takes the whole wallet, puts it in his pocket. And she asks him, can you leave my ID? And he takes it out of the wallet and looks at it a while. I think what he's probably doing there is... Memorizing your address. Or just trying to look like he is. Do you know what I mean? Just an empty (sighs) sort of threat. He leaves the ID behind. Then she asks, can you leave one of the credit cards behind so I can use it to get home and he says you said there's prepaid and there's no money and she says that's right but I can call a friend and have them put money on the card to go home and he also obliges and leaves the card she asked to sit up at this time And he lets her. He asks where her phone is. And he gets it and erases his number from the conversation they just had. And then he takes the battery out of the phone and throws the battery behind the entertainment center in the room, presumably to give himself a head start if she's going to go for the phone. He walks over to the suitcase she brought and pulls out a pair of her underwear and puts them in his pocket. Classic creep move, saving the underwear. He seems sort of like he doesn't know what to do next He doesn't necessarily maybe want the encounter to end. Maybe he's, I'm guessing, but like maybe he is getting off a little in the moment of being in control. So he cuts the phone lines in the room. He goes over to the safe and and looks inside it. There's nothing in it. He starts to move around the furniture and she is like, what are you doing? And he says, I'm trying to find something to tie you up to, to sort of give me a head start. And she says she won't tell anybody, but he doesn't believe her. I don't think I would either. Yeah, She suggests tie me to the door of the entertainment center and he doesn't feel that stable enough. So imagine this is like this long sort of planning she it out seems together. She so seems calm. I'm that so proud of her. She seems calm. I think that she was panicked. But the fact that he kept doing what she – here's your ID. Here's the card. Uh, I think that probably made her feel safe. Mm. He ends up tying her to the bathroom door with plastic zip cords And he tapes her mouth shut and he leaves. But before leaving, he says, don't worry. In 15 minutes after I leave, I'm going to call hotel security and say, I heard something in the room and someone will come rescue you. But within one minute of him leaving, she's able to break her wrists out of the ties and get the tape off her mouth. Within a minute, she goes into the hallway. And since only a minute's passed, she's kind of peeking around the door to see if he's still in the hallway. Mm -hmm. But nobody's there. So she runs over and knocks on another door. And they open it. And she says, I need to use your phone. I just got robbed. And she calls hotel security. They call the police. And... At that time, the police questioned her, and one of the words she used to describe her attacker was polite. Police confiscate her cell phone and start to monitor her bank accounts, which she now had access to through the PIN. I. This is a side bar to this story, but I just want to do it because I think it's important when we're dealing with stories that have people that work in the sex work industry in any regard. I read an article... Not an article, a CBS interview with her. Mm -hmm. And I want to read it to you. Question. They just want me to ask one last question. In your words, how would you describe what you do for a living? And what were you anticipating happening that night in your words? And she says. I hate that. I hate it. She says it was just to put. I don't I don't feel comfortable answering that question. Question. What are your plans with your Craigslist ad and what's happening with your Craigslist ad right now? Leffler says, nothing. I'm not going to be advertising on Craigslist anymore. I don't want to go through this again. Question, what do you want to do now for a living? Leffler, I don't know. Probably going back to school. Question, what would you like to do? Leffler, no idea yet. Question, do you have aspirations to do something in the future? Leffler, I don't know. I'm kind of taking it one day at a time right now. And this interview made me so angry because it seemed like the Media was very eager to get her to call herself a a sex worker. At the time of the interview, I don't even think they would have said sex worker. They probably would have said hooker or prostitute. I think that it's because they wanted a piece of the story to be about learning your lesson or having a moral and saying, now she's going to do something safe and better. She's going to go to school and be a dentist. It just felt uh, very pushy, very rude, very unrelated to what this woman went through in a lot of ways Ugh, and i hate it that it felt like definitely placing in a sneaky way to put some of the blame on the victim
0: i also think people talk about that stuff to distance themselves from it and by including this as her job people have this false sense of safety it couldn't happen to it you it couldn't happen to you and don't i don't think worry. that's something that people <clears throat> that resonates with people also let it be known The Trump administration has now put limits where they've they've made it illegal to use Craigslist, to use online um, uh, online avenues. Like there's no more. You can't work on Craigslist, which is a lot of sex workers would use and in a way was safer because it allowed for people to be traced. It allowed for them to have a semblance of control in this market. It was like this has been around since the beginning of time. And now sex workers are having some semblance of control and the Trump administration Any, has taken it away. Yes,
1: and anything that you made can it do to make it legalized would just uh, make it possible for these people that deserve protection in their job to have that protection. Well, uh, all right, I hate let's, this story. let's continue. Four days later, this same man using the address amdpm at com arranged to meet a 26-year-old, Julissa Brisman. He initially answered... The, to the anonymous address provided by Craigslist, she said she was visiting Boston for three days and that she had a room on the 20th floor of the Boston Marriott Copley Place, which was an upscale Back Bay hotel. Her replies came back to him as "Message by Morgan Boston, at yahoo.com." At 4:37 p.m., he writes to her. I myself am visiting Boston and was looking for a 10 p.m. or later appointment tonight or tomorrow. Unfortunately, I will not be free any earlier. And later he emailed again, Morgan, which he, he's calling her Morgan because of that email address. Mm-hmm. Morgan, I can still make it tonight, but I'm thinking tomorrow at 10 would be better for me. But otherwise, I'll be there tonight as planned. Thanks, Andy. She writes, my Wednesday appointment moved later. I could do it tomorrow night or we can do 1030 or 11 tonight. Let me know what you prefer, Morgan. At 7 p.m., her fate is sealed. He says, hey, Morgan, 10 p.m. tomorrow is best for me. Thank you, Andy. And the next night, he used a track phone to say that he'd arrived early at 9.41 p.m. Julissa, who he's writing to, is from New York but would fly to Chicago or Colorado. She told friends that a lot of her flying around was to go do bikini or topless parties that she got paid, like, bank to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she would work as a sensual masseuse, and she also worked part-time in a New York tanning salon. She, at the time that she's meeting this man, she's two weeks away from completing a year's course in addiction counseling at City College of New York. And that decision, she had gone into AA herself and had dealt with alcoholism. She had been hospitalized for it at least twice, but now had nearly a year of sobriety. And she was... The way
0: you're saying this, I know it's not going to end well It's not going to go well
1: for her. She was somebody that wanted to help others. She wanted to help people overcome the disease and and help the people struggling with what she had struggled with. Mm -hmm. Her counselor said that she was a very attractive, young, bright woman with a lot of potential. She had a drive about her. And the counselor said, I work in a field where 75% don't make it. This girl came with a purpose. Julissa on her MySpace page described herself as a true born and raised Manhattan hottie finally getting a hold of this wonderful thing we call life.
0: Oh, I can't hear this. The way you were, at least when you were talking about the first robbery, you were able to go into such detail, and I was like, okay, she's a okay, She's alive because we know she's exactly alive, we what, know happened. what happened.
1: Well, I don't know a lot about what happened here, and I think that you felt that coming. They met at Boston Marriott. The man that she met wore the exact same clothes he had worn four days earlier when he robbed Leffler, but this time the robbery did not go as planned. There was a woman in a nearby room, and after hearing shrieks, she went into the hallway and saw a clothed body sprawled across the doorway of the room. There was a piece of plastic tie hanging from one wrist. And so, like I said, we're not going to know exactly what happened in the room, but Julissa was found dead later that night with evidence of a struggle. Her wrists were bound with plastic. She'd been bludgeoned with a pistol and shot three times at close range in the heart, chest, and abdomen. (sighs) Initially, she was barely alive but had survived but died later at the Boston Medical Center. Meanwhile, she had protections in place as well. And when her boss, Simmons, I think is the boss's last name, when Simmons did not receive her usual text from Julissa signaling that the transaction was completed, she texted her at 11, then at midnight, then at 530 in the morning, then at 710. She still didn't hear anything, so she called security at the hotel. She was transferred to the Boston police who had been combing the crime scene and let her know what had happened. And she told them, I helped set up the massage appointment through Craigslist. It was like a sensual massage. And that she could provide the police with the email name and address of this guy, Andy. Mm. In addition, she gave the police the password to the Yahoo message account. And then she called a guy named Mark Rash who was the former head of the computer crime unit at the U.S. Department of Justice. And he was sort of a digital detective, which Mm -hmm. I think at the time was a very new sort of idea. Even the idea of, like, tracking, I think, IP addresses was relatively new. And so she hires him, and he goes to work right away helping the police. Two days after Julissa was murdered... Cynthia Melton, an exotic dancer who advertised lap dances on Craigslist and danced occasionally at the Cadillac Lounge in Providence, made an appointment to meet a man that she met through the erotic services section at the Warwick Hotel Holiday Inn Express. He scheduled an 11 p.m. meeting with her on a track phone. Once inside her room, the client who was wearing a baseball cap Pulled a gun, made her lie face down on the floor, and bound her with plastic ties. He tried to silence her with a ball gag, but she kept shaking her head so that he couldn't get it to work, and then he gave up. Melton told authorities that he was a tall, blonde young man and that he was extremely nervous and was trembling as he rummaged through the room looking for cash, credit cards, and he told her, don't worry, I'm not going to kill you, just give me the money. So her husband comes, interrupts the scene. No. He knocks on the door.
0: Or yay. I don't know where to lie. Uh,
1: Right? So then the bad guy points a gun at him, and Keith Melton, the husband, starts to walk backwards and falls. And the assailant runs. Oh, thank God. Yes. So also, though, when he went to go meet her, his entrance into the hotel is on camera.
0: So they now have footage of him. They know what he looks
1: like. Okay, good. Also one of the texts that night they pinged it, that he was over by an area Walmart where they found out that at 10 he had bought the baseball cap that he was wearing mm-hmm. and Walmart also had cameras and was able to so they can they now kind of know what the guy looks like i mean you know how that footage is but yeah. uh but they now have two eyewitnesses and footage of him so the investigation they and have start...
0: they already connected to the first? Yes. Crime? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. They connected the dots rather quickly. It was not a surprise that the three were the same perpetrator. Okay. They start backtracking to find out Andy's identity and First, they figure out that the Live.com account came from Microsoft in Redmond, Washington. Then they had to find out who was accessing that account and from where. So they got Microsoft to give them the IP address, and Craigslist was able to see what time and date the user of the address responded to the postings when he clicked on the ads. They could tell when it was. So the police searched the hotel surveillance tapes to see who appears on camera and they show that just after the killing occurred, this is now Julissa mm-hmm. that got killed. So a they- tall, blonde, white male matching Leffler's and Melton's description was looking down at his phone and walking briskly away from the hotel elevators. So now this is how they link it the description we got from these two women, and then somebody died, and we have this guy that looks. Just like like it. Exactly. Surveillance tapes at Weston Copley revealed a similar looking person texting upon leaving the hotel in the same time frame. So they now have visuals on all three events. They also get clues at the amdpm at live email that he used with Leffler, what information the subscriber provided when it was created, and the IP address of the computer used to create it. And they learned that the email account used to create it was, of course, a throwaway account so they can't really do anything with that. But the address came back to an internet service provider in the Boston area. And the provider gave the police the name and address of the customer who they gave that IP address to. So the police are able to go investigate a physical location only, but it's a building. So it's, High Point Circle in Quincy, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston, and it's a large apartment building. So they're kind of stuck because the IP address was associated with a particular person, but it was a wireless router. So anybody in the building could have been using the address. So the police have a name and an address, but it didn't necessarily give them the suspect, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because anybody within a few hundred feet of the router could have access to that router Mm -hmm. to that IP address right so the first thing they do is they think they know who the guy is because they have a name but again it's not enough so they start doing their own investigation they go on Facebook they go on Google they start trying to find out who this guy looks like does the name match the Mm -hmm. face we already have and then they're like it does so then they begin to do an old-fashioned stakeout and try to figure out the identity of this person, and they're shocked at who the person is. Who is it? Philip Haynes Markoff grew up in a small town in upstate New York in a middle-class household. Friends and classmates would describe him as a serious, well-behaved, and active in curricular activities guy. He was an honors student. In his early life, he was described as the nicest young man, polite and respectful with a good sense of humor. And he is a normal family, two parents who I believe are divorced and remarried. He has a brother. He was not super popular or anything in school, but he was regarded as really, really smart. And people would always say that he spent a lot of time alone. He would spend like full days on his computer. He didn't really talk about his family. Uh, and he was a biology major. He was also really active in his fraternity, Phi Delta Epsilon <sighs> And within the fraternity, there's kind of two different minds about what he was like. Some people would say that he was a helper and a mentor to other people, and other people said that they thought that he was always holding back his real thoughts, and that led to him behaving somewhat awkwardly. One of the classmates he had said that what was on the inside was not necessarily what was on the outside, which I think is a really apt description, uh, as you'll see. He would do weird things. He would tell he would tell cute girls at school that he was worried he was going to flunk and could they tutor him, but he was super smart and they would tutor him and he'd obviously pass the class, no problem, but it was felt like it was a ploy because he didn't really know how to talk to girls, maybe, and it just felt sneaky. And one of his friends, one night he's out with the frat and a bunch of college friends and... He tells one of his friends that's a girl that he'll walk her to her dorm, and then he pushes her up against a wall and starts trying to kiss her, and she's kind of pushing him off, no, 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 like, I don't like you like that, stop. But he doesn't stop, and then a male friend comes up and kind of pulls him off. But she doesn't make a big deal of this then.
0: Want to know why she doesn't make a big deal out of this? Because – because yeah. we're not supposed to, and that's normal. Yeah. i so mad.
1: She just was blamed it on the alcohol and said that she also got the feeling that he didn't feel comfortable in his own skin. Ugh. Uh-uh. Ugh. Who cares?
0: I hate
1: that. I hate all of this. I so hate So he it. ends up graduating summa cum laude from State University of New York in Albany. And he's pursuing a career as a doctor studying at SUNY Albany. Uh, While studying there, he's also volunteering at a medical center near campus. And during volunteering, he meets Megan McAllister, who's a few years older, and she ends up asking him out. So they start dating. And at the time they're dating, his lab partner says that he would go long periods of time without communicating. And the lab partner said, you never knew with Phil what you were going to get. He wouldn't look at you when he talked to you. He came in once at 5 a.m. looking like death wormed over. It was the morning of a big exam, and he said he'd just driven in from New Jersey because he'd had a fight with his girlfriend and he had to deal with it. He could barely bring himself to speak. The lab partner also said that they would, they had gone to a party together a couple of times and that he would drink a lot and flirt with people who weren't interested in him and that he wouldn't pick up on their vibe. From an outsider perspective, she could tell yeah. That the girls he was flirting with weren't giving him the... Go ahead. The not go ahead. The, like, don't talk to me. Yeah, they weren't and he it. was still pursuing. So there was something a little bit broken there. Like, he couldn't read body language. Do
0: you know if the day he came and he was, like, looked like death warmed over, was that after
1: he killed Julissa? No, that was before. But then because I'm worried about who the fuck... Who, did, who else did he kill? I believe that was... but Right. Well... They end up dating for three years before he proposes to her on a beach in Maine, and then they plan their wedding for August fourteenth, two thousand nine. It was going to be this sort of big fairy tale wedding with a Springsteen cover band. We call that a Bruce band, fake Bruce. Um, they Fruits. were called the B Street Band. Maybe you know them. I actually, I think I
0: might have seen them. I saw them at Brooklyn Bowl, and they're great. I've well, seen, I think I've seen Really? That. Are you really? serious? I've been to a Frust concert, and I think it was the B Street Band that was at Brooklyn Bowl in
1: Williamsburg. It sounds fun. It's honestly, it was a blast. Actually, their wedding sounded like it was going to be great.
0: Well, I don't think it was great because he's a murderer. <laughs> Moving on.
1: I don't know. She purchased her gown from Vera Wang. Can you uh, imagine? They were kind of fancy. They were kind of fancy. Do you want to hear about their um, bridal registry, her bridal registry? Oh, I love that. There was luggage worth $1,600, and Vera Wang goblets were on her registry. Like, just to give you an idea, I think my top tier item on my registry was a cast iron skillet, which I want you to know I got twice. I got it when I got married, and then I got it in the divorce.
0: Isn't the cast iron skillet, like, $25? no. I no. think it's maybe fifty. That was the high end of your registry. <laughs> I actually am like a little bit shocked. Like, You're worried. I'm worried because I mean I've been to weddings. I would love it if a registry was like fifty dollars and under. It would make gift giving so fucking easy for me. But unfortunately, no, it was like the really wed-
1: nice cast iron
0: skillet was it a lodge pre seasoned? Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm listen. Carrie knows her kitchen gadgets. She loves them.
1: So obviously they have some baller tendencies, which is a little problematic because he's still, you know, he's not a doctor yet. He's in med school. He also happens to have $130,000 in debt debt, and from student loans. He also has a gambling problem. So And the shoe drops. Yes. But gambling was sort of the least of the dark secrets because aside from all these Craigslist contacts, he is talking to people online... And again, it's just he's somebody different than who he's presenting. In May of 2008, he exchanges several messages with someone who's identifying at that time as a transvestite in the Boston area. And he writes to them using the email sexaddict5385 at Yahoo, which is crazy because mine's sexaddict5585 at Yahoo. Write to me there. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, he says, hey, sexy. Did you write that joke in there? No. I just I thought of it. it. That, I just thought of I it. I
0: thought, because you were reading it, I was like, did she write in a joke?
1: Because I would have loved that. No, I didn't. <laughs> I really did think of it in the moment.
0: But yeah, please write to Quinn at sex 585 at Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Is it 585? Uh, yes. Great. God, I love, I love your signature on that email. It's great. <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> it's a Bible quote. <laughs> so he writes to this, uh, to the transvestite person and...
0: Are we saying that word? Is that the right word? This is how that
1: person identified themselves. Okay, I just want to clarify. And I believe that's still a thing. I mean, like a word. It's I don't think it's still offensive. It's still a word. I don't think it's a... It's th- a man that dr- le- likes to dress in women's clothing. If we're wrong, like we don't like to be wrong about stuff like that, definitely... Will be the first to yeah. say, "Oops, let us know." But I think you can but say, if, "As long
0: as this individual identified themselves as
1: transvestite, then correct?" I think that's I'm not naming them that they named themselves. Right. Our friend, sex addict, aka Philip, sends two attachments: a picture of a buff top part of body. What do you call it? Torso, I guess. <laughs> a sexy torso, and a picture of an erect penis next to a ruler. Well, do you want to know? Of course, I do. Eight. Well, sure. It's pretty good
0: pretty good pretty regular i don't know if that's pretty regular i think that's
1: i have to say it's pretty regular <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: dear readers you missed
1: the greatest little like so they have oh a sexy God, convo that. and they don't meet um but it, that's not like the only conversation was that his penis or was it like i, I don't know probably i mean that's what he would lead you to believe they didn't meet or anything I could find no information on On the measurements of Phil's penis. I
0: don't believe... Phil is a liar. I don't believe that that was actually his penis. Penis. I don't believe it. I think the more
1: interesting thing is he's presenting in public as a straight male and he's online having lots of conversations with people that label themselves as transvestites. He's then calling himself a transvestite sometimes. He at one point posted as a female ebony masseuse looking to practice on male clients. So he's enjoying this online Anonymity. And yeah, he's he doesn't he seems like he's into some sex stuff that he doesn't feel he can share with anybody real time in his life. Yeah, for sure. Um and no judgment there except Just don't he don't is kill a killer, people. so yeah. tons of judgment. Philip Markov was arrested on April 20th when he was driving with Megan, his fiancee, on wait, Interstate twi- 95.
0: Wait. I'm sorry to interrupt. He was arrested ten days
1: after. Yeah, fast.
0: Wow. Fast, fast, fast. Well,
1: he left shit. You heard this. He's Video, such an idiot. IP addresses. It was. He didn't do a great job covering up what he was doing. It doesn't seem like he had a lot of forethought with how to perform these crimes yeah, and not get caught. For sure. And once that it became a murder, fast. it was yeah. pretty high on their to-do list to get him before somebody else got hurt. Gotcha. Yeah. So they arrested him where? They were driving to Foxwoods, a casino in Connecticut, and they pulled him over. And it, this is just kind of ironic that I guess before Megan had returned to Boston, because she wasn't in Boston while he was doing this. Uh-huh. She was studying elsewhere and they were long distancing and they did not live together. So that's important to know that when she, she says she didn't know have anything to do with it or know anything, and, and definitely they believe her. But uh, one thing that's sort of creepy is that her mom had warned her when she went to Boston, be careful, there's a guy there that's hurting women. <gasps> and it was her fiancé
0: no, yeah. that's so dork-sided. It's so.
1: So they get pulled over. She thinks it's for speeding. Surprise, surprise. No. And.
0: Oh, she must have been so fucking shocked.
1: Yeah. she Well, not only that, she, she wrote to the media right away after he got arrested saying it wasn't him. She refused oh. it. She said, no, no, it couldn't be him. She said he's a beautiful man inside out. He couldn't hurt a fly.
0: Oh, no.
1: So he gets taken into the police headquarters. He's not talking, but while he's there, they go to the apartment in Quincy and they find the underwear. They find all the things. I'll tell you what they found. They found the gun that they believe killed Julissa Brisman. It's a Springfield Armory XD9 semi-automatic. It's, for all
0: you gun nuts. For all you gun
1: nuts. Listen. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I know. I should have just said gun, but you don't know. Here's, you're not going to believe where they found it. In a hollowed out copy of Grey's Anatomy, the classic medical textbook, which the like beauty of the symbolism there that the murder weapon is being hidden inside something that looks like a medical. It's saying that the I mean, I don't want to hit the nail too hard on the head here, but it's the murderer hiding inside the body. And the presentation of a med student. It's just, it's too much. I'm it's, so glad you, feel you like hit it's a nail. Yes. Love it. It's a movie that that happened. Well, it's actually a TV show. Um, Grace Anatomy is a TV correct. show. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I stand corrected. They also find a s- supply of the plastic zip ties that were used. They find bullets that match the ones in Julissa's body. They find four pairs of women's panties. Four? Were, yeah, I don't know the story there. So I don't know. Right? That means there's one extra victim. Yes.
0: It sounds like that he took underwear from all of his victims save
1: one. Uh, we don't really know. I okay. don't know. We know, we don't ever find out who owns those undies. So I also think he could have even taken two pairs from uh, Trisha. Anyway, he find, they find the track phones. They find the laptop computer whose hard drive had pieces of Andy's response to Julissa's Craigslist posting. They find $4,500 bills. Oh, and the undies were hidden in their box spring. Because I know you want to know where they were. I hate Um,
0: So she was sleeping on. Oh, God.
1: At his arraignment, he pleads not guilty. And he's put on suicide watch right away because he has marks on his neck from his shoelaces. So they know he's a risk. On April 21st, 2009, Markoff is transported from Boston Police Headquarters to Nashua Street Jail. He stuffs wads of toilet paper down his pants and tells the detectives, I might need this later. And hours later, he makes his first suicide attempt. He pulls leather strips out of his boat shoes. Don't you love that it's his boat shoes? Ties them together and tries to hang himself from the bars in his cell. So they transfer him to a secure medical unit and put him on 24-hour suicide watch. With his boat shoes.
0: But what was the toilet paper for? They don't
1: know. But that'll come to play a little later. Ooh. Because he's kind of trying to figure out this suicide thing. He's got a lot of ideas. On April 29th, Megan goes to visit him to call off their wedding.
0: Well, it feels like that should have been a no-brainer. But yeah. But also, did she get her deposit back? Is there a way to get your deposit back? Cause if, like, your and what happened to the Vera is Wang burning? dress?
1: Does she use it? In another did she wedding, go, did she get
0: married? You know, it probably was a beautiful dress.
1: Megan, write us. On June 11th, she visits him a second time and tells him she does not plan to see him again for a long period of time, if ever. So really, she goes to official dump him, I yeah. think. Some closure for her. The next day, he attempts to cut his wrists with a serrated spoon, which I thought was weird because... Why would you give a prisoner a serrated spoon except to eat a grapefruit?
0: Well, well, I think he probably serrated the spoon
1: himself. Oh. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I was picturing one of those <laughs> grapefruit spoons, and I'm like, don't give prisoners grapefruit spoons. <laughs> that so good. Wait, that's hard. Why are they giving prisoners I'm like, serrated come on. spoons? Even for, I know that.
0: Are they serving grapefruit for Brecky? <laughs> <laughs> I don't when know When I think he serrated it, it was a DIY situation. Okay,
1: I think you're 100% right. You know what? I'm glad you're here. Before this, so I wanted funny. to be alone telling this story, but now I'm glad you're That's here. That's
0: really fucking funny. I don't know why they gave him the serrated, unless there's grapefruit.
1: So, <laughs> I'm moving right along. On August 16th, 2010, after several cell checks, a deputy, a deputy officer notices that Phillips, who he's wrapped in a blanket on his bed, uh, isn't really moving. Oh, So they go to make a health and welfare check, and they pull the covers back, and it's a bloodbath. He had used an object and shaved it into, like, a razor. Maybe it was a spoon. Uh, He slashes the major arteries in his ankles, legs, and neck, and he wraps his wounds in plastic. I think so the blood maybe wouldn't leak to show—I think he's trying to not be discovered, For a long period of time so that he'll definitely die. So he wraps the wounds in plastic and then he stuffs toilet paper down his throat and covers his head with a plastic bag so that hopefully they couldn't resuscitate him. Well, that's a thorough... By putting the toilet paper in his throat, they couldn't
0: go to do like a mouth-to-mouth.
1: Oh, God. So then after doing all that, he covers himself quickly with a blanket and dies. He, they go into the cell and see that on the table he spread out pictures of Megan and that once you're inside the cell, you can see that on the cell door, he's written in his blood her name and the word pocket. Oh, God. Which was his pet name for her, Pocket.
0: Oh, poor Megan. Yeah. I kind of want to bleep her name in this whole episode. Well, she doesn't deserve to be She's like, very
1: Googleable, so. I know. I hate that she's. I'm sure she changed her name.
0: Oh, my God! That's horrible. I know i mean i I don't feel bad that
1: no, he I don't feel died, bad either. Cause... but I feel
0: bad that this person who's innocent, who believed him to be a good person, that it affected her, I feel bad for the women he robbed. I feel bad for the woman he killed and her family, and the oh, I feel bad for every uh
1: yeah, it's I'm a really settled, dark story, but it's a story I had to tell because I wanted to tell it to you. So I had to go that through telling
0: is it. Air. Yeah, I'm not really sure tight. why I
1: did it at that, but I I did do that. The Craigslist killer. The Craigslist killer. That is the story.
0: Can I tell you? I thought there'd be more killings.
1: I did too, and that's that was interesting too because I I'm happy I always there is think I know these stories. Oh, the Craigslist killer. I think I know that story. That was a serial killer that found people on Craigslist and killed them, and then it's just not a story that I wasn't aware of and I wasn't aware that he was this person this medical student that appeared to many of the people in his life like somebody that would never do anything like this and I always I don't know why but I'm always sort of interested in that angle yeah the people that blend in
0: the people that don't look suspicious somehow
1: that is double scary
0: (sighs) Wait, um, that's crazy. Do you have a story to tell me? I have a story to tell you, but give me two seconds because you could have six. Okay, great.
1: Okay, time's up.
0: Okay, so I'm doing the story. I, have... I don't know if I really want to tell the title of the story. I'm just gonna go into
1: it. You don't it. have to do it. Do it.
0: Okay, so there is this guy Rudolph Valentino.
1: Okay. Do you know him? Uh, is he any relation to the red-nosed reindeer?
0: No, he's not.
1: Then I don't know him.
0: And it's weird that you don't know him because he was born in 1895 in Italy. No. <laughs> you don't know him? Um, But he came to America to become a movie star in silent films, and he was dubbed the Latin Lover. Ooh. Ooh, right? Am I right? So he was a 1920s Hollywood silent film star. And so he's killing it. He's doing the game. And he goes to a shop in San Francisco, and he sees this beautiful ring. It's silver with a um, tiger's eye stone, so a semi-precious stone. And he's interested in it. And the shopkeeper is like, no, 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 no. It's cursed.
1: (gasps) Oh, okay.
0: And... Apparently, it had brought disaster to those who had owned it before him.
1: Oh, that would make me want it more, sort of. Sort of, right? So he buys it.
0: That's sort of when some mysterious things start happening. So, a film that he was in called The Young Raja, it flopped. And then he made the movie The Son of the Sheik in 1926. And classic, classic. The son of sheep. While he's filming it, he's wearing the ring, and he dies. Whoa. Yeah, he dies How? at 31 of an infection, an infection after um, a surgery for a bleeding ulcer. So he dies of peritonitis. Okay, it's that's what I saw. But I also saw that the condition was so rare that at the time of his death, it was named after him. I think it's since changed names, but it it was... Named Rudolph? (laughs) The Rudy Valentino. Okay. It was, at the time, that's what it became known as. Mm. And of course it changed. And so it was said that after he died, several women and at least one man were killing themselves in anguish because he was such a star. I don't know if I totally buy that, but... He was a big fucking deal in the 1920s. What if those were murders?
1: But you were like, and that's how he, Rudy murdered all these people.
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: With their hearts like, breaking. I thought it was a
0: cursed ring, and it's like, no, 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 nope, no, no. it's no. murder.
1: It's murder. Indirect.
0: So, at the time, he had a lava, and her name was um, Pola Negri, and she was also a star in the silent films. And she was a well-known Hollywood vamp, and she was known as a femme fatale. Fatale?
1: No, I like fatale.
0: Femme fatale. Femme Um, fatale. So at his funeral, his lover, Negri, Pola Negri, had turned it into this huge, crazy spectacle. So she claimed they were engaged. She even sent... This is so weird. She sent 1,000 red and white roses spelling
1: her name. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Like sending somebody a picture of you, like a portrait. It's so good. Okay. So
0: she had all these roses that spelled her name. Her name sent to his funeral. She hurled herself on his coffin, like fainting, the whole deal in New York, and then rode along with the um, coffin to California. And it made dozens of stops along the way. And so it was said that across the U.S., whenever they would stop in a new city, she would weep becomingly at each of the dozen stops along the way
1: to California. Oh, I wish I could weep becomingly. I can only ugly cry.
0: I have a friend who brags about crying beautifully and she really does. She's not an actor and her eyes just become like crystal clear and she has beautiful green eyes and she says, I just am a really beautiful crier. Yeah. I don't, I'm jealous. Let's just call it. So, so is this Paula Negri bitch. Um, So 10,000 people come to Rudolph Valentino's funeral. So it's a huge, huge affair In his estate planning, she decides to get this ring. Of course. Of course. Why wouldn't you? So when she puts on the ring, she immediately falls ill. Oh, wow. She immediately feels sick. So once she recovers, she gives the ring to this guy, Russ Columbo. And he's a young singer-actor in Hollywood. And... He reminds her of Valentino, so she gives him the ring. And I'm like, are they fucking? I don't know why, but if he reminds her, I don't know. So she gives the ring to this guy, Russ Columbo. Not long after, he was at his friend's house, and he accidentally gets shot in the head.
1: Whoa. And he dies
0: while wearing the ring.
1: What? Yeah. Also, the accidentally getting shot in the head...
0: It was the night. Sounds like a crazy party. It was a rager. So he accidentally gets shot in the head at his friend's home. It was then the ring was sent to Colombo's cousin, who gave it to Columbo's friend Joe Casino. Great name. Again, are these names Russ Columbo, Joe Casino, (laughs) Paula Negri, Rudolph Valentino? Need I say more? This is a podcast not about truly, darkly, creepy stories. We forgot to introduce the podcast. But also <laughs> there it it's was. a podcast about names. So when his friend Joe Casino got this ring, he had heard tell all these things happened. A death, a sick, a death. And so he decided to put the ring under glass and not touch it. Right?
1: Good idea. Seems
0: like a very smart idea. So then, you know... Nothing was happening. Everything was fine. He decided, I think after a year of owning it, he decided to put on the ring. (laughs) I should not laugh. I'm sorry. But a week later, guess what? Dead. He was run over by a truck. And he died after wearing the ring for a week. So this ring has become this fucking phenomenon, right? Is everybody talking about it? People are chatting. People are talking. People... And this is at a time... When movies were silent films, not talkies. Mm. Um, the person who's alive so far, Pola Negri, this woman, right? People are talking about the ring. And then Joe Casino's brother, his name is Del. He inherits the ring from his brother's estate. There are conflicting reports that I read. One is that he locked it in a safe in his home, never touched it. Mm-hmm. The other was that he wore it frequently and even loaned it out without any issues. <laughs> Del Casino was fully convinced this was all bullshit. There wasn't anything real about this. And then it was in his safe and someone broke into Del Casino's house and broke in the safe and took the ring. This guy, James Willis. So he sets off an alarm. The police come in. They see him escape the scene. Guess what? They shot and killed him. The ring in his pocket. Wow. Okay. So then the ring was placed back in the safe. So eventually this director, Edward Small, was going to do a film about Rudolph Valentino, and I assume about said ring, because why wouldn't you? Crazy interesting. So Dell loaned it to the director, and the director, Edward Small, had hired this guy, Jack Dunn, who was an unknown actor, to play Valentino. And so he had this ring, and so he gives Jack Dunn the ring, to play Valentino. And then two weeks later, Jack Dunn dies of a rare blood disease. It's
1: too crazy. It's too, <laughs> it's so crazy.
0: Like, wanna, like what deaths? the wizards? What it's the nuts. fucking wizards. It's
1: super duper
0: crazy, right? Then the ring went back to Del Casino and he kept it in his home safely until his death. So now the ring is going to be sent. After he died, it was those in charge of his estate decided to put it in a vault in an L.A. bank. So it's sitting in a bank in L.A. And at this point, the ring seemed to bring bad luck to the bank.
1: Wow.
0: So the bank was robbed twice. Okay, so one of the robberies, the thieves got away with more than $200,000 in cash and the police followed them and there was a huge ambush and two of the bank robbers were caught and three people around them were injured. So just onlookers were injured. And the leader of that bank robbery, his name was Alfred Hahn. He was later convicted and sent to prison for life for robbery. But at his trial, he said, if I had known what was in the bank vault apart from the money, I'd have picked myself another bank. So he didn't know that the ring was in the kind. He was like, well, fuck, I took the wrong one. So that's the first one. There was a second bank robbery. And the ring was stolen in the second robbery. Thieves were then shot dead during the police chase. And the bank, so let me go over that. Sorry. The first one was Han, where he was like, if I had known that fucking ring was in the basement, I would not have gone to that bank. Right. The second robbery, the ring was stolen. The ring was the target. And then in the police chase that ensued, Two of the robbers were shot dead with the ring. So the ring is then. I wonder why back. they
1: wanted it.
0: I think because like we've talked about this. If anything has like paranormal, spooky, spooky situations, uh-huh. people fucking go ape shit for it. They
1: wanted to sell it on eBay. They wanted to sell it
0: on eBay. They <laughs> At were an getting in cost. hot. They were getting in hot. Also, it's not that cute of a ring. I don't think. Oh, it I can't is. wait to
1: see it. We'll post it on Instagram, folks.
0: So the two rat robberies. And then there was a three-week cashier strike, which I'm a little skeptical. Why are we blaming a ring for workers' rights? I don't know if that's the vibe I want to go with. And then the bank caught fire. Whoa. That's straight
1: exorcist.
0: So as of today, the ring is unknown. No one
1: knows where the ring is. No one
0: knows? No one knows. It's been missing. The last time it was clocked was in the 60s. And so now the ring is completely missing.
1: Wow! 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 Do you think there's any crazy assassin out there that uses it? And
0: just is like, here, have this it's ring. Slow, it's the
1: slow game. Yeah, he just slips it on your yeah, finger. And just
0: sees. Well, I think the ring did not affect Dell. So there's some there's some kind of spooky things. Um, I mean, not spooky. I shouldn't say, but there is. There was a painted portrait of Rudolph Valentino and Pola Negri and the ring by a Spanish artist named Federico Beltran Masses. And it was expected to get like 15,000 pound at an auction. And I think obviously the reason why the price was so fucking high was because this ring that's missing is in it. So somebody on
1: the black market is selling this ring. For sure.
0: It's so I don't know. Odd, I, know I don't know. I don't know if anyone's in point. the black ring, or black ring. I don't know if anyone in the black market is selling the ring. The ring is just gone. Do
1: you think it just fell into like a subway grate?
0: Oh, I hope so. I okay. mean, the amount of rings is that why and it was M- probably
1: the G train, and that's why it runs so poorly. <laughs> is that why
0: our MTA is yeah. so fucked up? <laughs> it is it that cursed this, the
1: MTA. The cursed ring. <laughs> we figured it out.
0: So Valentino, he's buried at a crypt in LA, and people visit his crypt engraved on Valentine's Day. It's become kind of like sort of like a makeshift holiday for him, the original oh. owner. I guess not the original owner, but the person that sort of started this curse, even though it was cursed before, but I couldn't find any information before except the shopkeeper going, "It's cursed," which is that's what I imagine the shopkeeper to say. Yes. Some say that if they've seen Valentino's ghost and that He's still, it seems to be he's searching for the ring and wants to destroy it. So fans flock to his her Hollywood Forever Cemetery crypt every Valentine's Day and they leave him gifts and cards. Many have reported seeing his ghostly figure pacing the grounds. He's also have been said, I love this one, this one's really crazy. He's also said to have been spotted at restaurants, Paramount Studios, and two places in town that feature statues of him. So he's just a vain ghost. Yeah. Visiting his old haunts and just as a tourist,
1: are. he's like, "Let's get a bite, go see some, get taken some culture.
0: Let's go to the studio tour at Paramount. Go see back what's to the change,
1: Yeah.
0: He also had a dog, Kabar, and is said Kabar apparently is buried at the L.A. Pet Cemetery in Calabasas.
1: Oh, I didn't know that was a thing—a <laughs> pet cemetery.
0: Yeah, and. Um, yeah, apparently he, the dog, also haunts it. I don't know. That was just a little... Why, why not? Why not add right. it in?
1: Why not? Um, so I'm as I said, good. the
0: portrait of Valentino Negri in the ring was sold at auction. And in this article it said, no word on how the owner of the painting is doing. And do you want to hear about how Pola Negri... One of the few survivors of the ring. She just got she's the one
1: that just passed it along. She
0: passed it along to a guy that she was fucking. She got it from a guy she was fucking, and then she gave it to a guy who I assume she was fucking. No shame, get your life right. But he looked like the guy she was fucking. So I, you know, she she had had a a very specific type. Speaking of types, she a year after Valentino's death, she married a Georgian prince. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And making he, her a
1: princess. Making
0: her, well, I don't know about Georgian law. I don't know about their monarchy. She was a commoner, you know? Right. Who knows? Did they abdicate the throne like Harry and Meghan? We don't know. Was um, it a Countess Was situation? it
1: situation?
0: Exactly. Because money can't buy a class, but a ring will kill
1: you. <laughs> Amen.
0: Um, <laughs> You've heard it once.
1: You've heard it before. Heard
0: it before. (laughs) I'll say it before. Said it once. I'll say it before.
1: before.
0: (laughs) Um, So she married a Georgian prince the year after Valentino's death, and he turned out to be a compulsive gambler. What is this with our ESP? Gambling, gambling. gambling. We
1: always gotta find the common thread. That's the that's the hidden Easter egg of every episode, dear readers. Well, and
0: marriage ring. I don't know. It could have worked, but. I think gambling is our is our common thread here. That's it. Um, and she was one of the rare silent film stars to then work in talkies, which was pretty, it wasn't totally common. I guess everybody had weird voices in the silent films. <laughs> <didn't stop.
1: laughs> they were like, now you want me to talk? Oh, that Jesus. Didn't well. <laughs> they opened their mouth and it was one of those, oh my God. Oh, no,
0: no, 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 no. no, no. no. She, 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 she's a femme fatale and she's like, hi, I'm here. Yeah. Um, I believe it's
1: pronounced femme fatal.
0: I think it's pronounced femme fatale. (laughs) I like that. It's a nataliano. So she went from silent films to um, talkies. And her movie, I think it's Masurka or Maxurka, I don't trust my spelling, was said to be one of Hitler's favorite movies. Weird, right? And she actually sued a French magazine for suggesting that her and Hitler were lovers. And she died in 1987 at the age of 90. But that's just ripe old age because she got rid of that fucking ring like a hot potato. She should have given it to her friend Hitler.
1: (laughs) 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 Could you imagine? Now that's a happy ending, (laughs) folks. That's a happy ending.
0: Oh, my God. Well, this ring killed a lot of people. It's now nowhere to be seen, found, heard from again. If
1: you've seen The Ring, email us. If you've seen The
0: Ring, not the movie, which is now on Netflix.
1: Oh, either way. If you've seen The Ring, the movie also email us. Tell us what you thought. (laughs) Tell tell us if you thought that by a well being covered, could you create a ring of light or would it really be a half moon shape? (laughs) Because I've often thought the movie should be called The Half Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Write me your thoughts, dear readers. I'm dying to know. Have you really? And I'm very lonely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so good can you make
0: cause how is it being held up how
1: it doesn't make any sense that there would be a full ring around it it would fall right fucking through I've
0: never heard this theory and it's my new favorite thank you do you wanna see oh, I can't how do I oh, oh no I'll show you on my computer. you gonna show phone. me the ring
1: I'm gonna show you the ring on the phone yeah and we'll post it
0: you know what or will we let's keep it mysterious
1: you're right keep them on their toes
0: it's ugly. Also, I got to tell you, I don't love rings on
1: dudes. You know, Matt doesn't have a wedding ring. Is it because he's... <clears throat> he doesn't he didn't like how his fingers looked in a ring. Ooh. Isn't that a pretty photo? That, that is That's pretty. A picture. It's
0: not a photo. It's a picture. But you see her with this... You see... Femme
1: fatale Pola Negri. Great story. <laughs> I have to say, I've never heard about that cursed ring. You've and I'm never... glad I know about it. Because now I'm going to keep an eye out for it.
0: Well the reason why I shared that story is because you've been doing so well with your spooky objects and I had to I had to bring up, one to the table. Up your
1: spooky object game? I
0: had to up the spookiness
1: of the objects. Do you wanna go eat some spooky carrot soupy? Ooh. Spooky. <laughs> Dear readers, donate to our Patreon and if you are a big enough donor, we'll give you carrot soup.
0: Oh wait, by the way. The thing that you've been listening to is called Truly.
1: Darkly. Green. I'm Quinlan Posner, And
0: I'm Carrie Epema.
1: And we prefer you only hear that at the end of every episode. For We want on. to make sure you get to the end. Everything was deliberate. We Yeah, we, that was our final treat for you, for listening, <laughs> that you get to know what it all was about and who we all was and what we is. We're about to have a
0: full-on liquid dinner dessert because I brought Talenti, no bullshit. Talenti,
1: no bullshit, the best ice cream around. Talenti, no bullshit. Talenti. Send us a check.
0: Send us a check for Talenti no bullshit. That's <laughs> our that's the marketing campaign. <laughs> hey dear readers, thanks for coming by. I sounded so sad. <laughs> uh,